This is our faith, what we just spoke. And it's rooted in the scriptures, which we heard today a lot of Bible reading. But with you, I'd like to turn once again to St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, second of four chapters, the second message about embracing joy. And I hope that you not only hear God's word today, but that you read it throughout the work. And what St. Paul urged people then and today really begins with verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Let's explore that in Jesus. You may be seated. There's a story told about a boy and a pony. There was a teacher who had at least a couple of children and wanting to know just how each child thought, took them together to a place and took one child and put him in a room full of toys. The little boy looked at the toys and his eyes brightened and a smile broke out. But then all of a sudden it was lost. And he almost began to cry. And the teacher said, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, I see all these toys, but I'm afraid to play with them because they might break. The teacher turned attention to the second little boy and said, let me take you to another room. And he did. And there in the room, as the door opened, the little guy saw a big pile of manure. <laughs> manure! And his eyes brightened and a smile broke out and he rushed to the pile and he started digging through the manure. The teacher was puzzled and said, why? And he said, well, with all this manure, there must be a pony inside. I don't know, maybe you've heard this, maybe not, but it tells a story, doesn't it? Perhaps a story about optimism, looking for the bright side. But I think it can well speak to the issue of joy. Finding joy in the midst of the manure, the tough part about life. And that's what Paul would help us do. What God, through his words, and how we need that help today. Last week we looked at, talked about embracing joy continually. I point out that the joy is not happiness. You know, happiness... That's the smile on the face. That's connected to circumstances, what's happening today. And you know how that goes. Today we might be happy, but then tomorrow comes, sometimes anyway, and things aren't quite as good and maybe even worse. And then something else of happiness comes along, and it begins to look like, and it is, a roller coaster of happiness. Or, as I mentioned last week, a dog chasing its tail sometimes and maybe never catching it but joy joy is in the lord and in scripture it's not only in the lord it, by being in the lord is something deeper than happiness it's richer it's more long lasting it is rooted there and to embrace that joy joy continually doesn't mean that we can or should do it every single moment of every day. We, we can't. But continually by embracing that joy frequently, repeatedly, and regularly. 
Today, another C word comes to mind as we would embrace joy. As Paul talked about, make my joy complete. So we talk about completely embracing joy. The biggest part of Paul's joy was being rooted in God through his son, Jesus Christ. And embracing that joy continually, he understood and helps us understand that that's not only connected to God, it has something to do with each other too. As well as happiness as being a a small part of that. Embracing joy continually means to embrace it among ourselves, our family, our congregation, to embrace God's joy, but in doing so to embrace each other in that joy, deep-rooted joy. And not in just this congregation, but in many congregations throughout our country and literally throughout the world and in all time to embrace our Lord and embrace each other in that joy. Because you see, according to what Paul has written here that God gave him to write, joy is two-dimensional. It is us connected with God, his joy deep within. But that leads to a joy connected one to each other. Did you catch that? The cross. Rooted in joy, we share that joy. We live in that joy. That's what St. Paul is fundamentally helping us understand from God's perspective. To embrace joy completely, well, that sounds like mission impossible. Maybe some of you my age or so remember the TV program, week by week. Others, the movie, Mission Impossible. And it may seem like, well, that's too much. That's too difficult to embrace joy altogether, completely. But when Paul writes, make my joy complete, he means to fill it up, to fill my joy, you to me and me to you. To fill it up is the best way to understand that. But the problem is we're weak and we leak. We leak. You see, because we're not perfect vessels. God made us that way, but we hardly are that way today. Like those before us, we've got holes. God would fill us with his joy, but it doesn't always last. He begins to leak out. He keeps filling us with joy. And so it is a constant process until it is complete. And it will be complete to a degree here and ultimately to the final degree. We never get filled up altogether. And so we need to continue to receive and hear God's joy and embrace it in an ongoing process. Embracing God and embracing with him his joy and then turning to others to fill them up as they complete our joy. So if embracing joy is about our deep personal relationship, it also has to do not just by my thinking, but by what you heard in scripture, by also finding that joy and filling up one with another. We're always being completed and completing. But here's the question. How? 
How are we to do this, especially if it is not a mission impossible? Well, God told Paul how, and Paul told the Philippians how, and therefore we, reading his letter, get God's word to help us figure out how. And what Paul wrote is this, how is to be having the same mind. Having the same mind, being like-minded. No, 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 we're not talking about brainwashing. Although some people might, from outside the faith, think of it that way. It's no brainwashing at all. Paul's not telling us to all think the same way. The same way with the same thoughts. He's telling us to have the same mind. And what's our mind? It is the mind of Christ. That's the mind we've been given. One that supersedes our own mind and intelligence. As Christ lives within us, by God's gift within us, baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He lives within us to transform us and to make us more and more like Him, the Scripture says time and again. Today, His counsel comes to us in the midst of issues that we face. This issue of having the mind of Christ. And you know, I don't have to list the challenges, the problems that we face. The list is long. The challenges are huge. We try to meet them with our mind. We try to meet them with our mind. But with the mind of Christ, we can begin on a whole different journey, a whole different pathway. We Christians, by definition, have the mind of Christ as he lives within us. Therefore, we think like him, and we're led by the gift of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to live like him. But, but, the trouble is we often give in. We give in to other things. We give in to peer pressure. I can see it at work in my life by those around us, around me, who think differently. And their thinking rubs off. We're, we're deluged by people and their thoughts that are outside the mind of Christ. We need to set aside those minds, those attitudes, those ways of approaching. And we need constantly to evaluate what our mind is telling us. Christ or something else. It's not easy for them our minds to be ruled by Christ. Easy from his standpoint, but not ours. Paul wrote to Christians in the city of Rome, and he put it this way, do not any longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. That's written on a wall out there. Be transformed, not transform ourselves, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That's Christ within us. Or like an ancient paraphrase, well, not ancient, but a long time ago said, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Don't be led to think like just anybody else other than Christ. It's a constant process to look to the mind of Christ. And we're not talking about uniformity. We're speaking about unity. Uniformity is everybody thinking exactly the same way exactly the same thing. Unity is something different. It flows out of one thing, but finds different expressions, but centered in that, like a choir. 
choir doesn't just sing one note altogether, although maybe sometimes. But what makes a choir wonderful is that there are parts to the choir, each differently. But what's beautiful about that is that they all harmonize. They blend, they come together. And that's the unity we have, individually having the mind of Christ, working in us and through us to find that being of the same mind. We can enjoy, we can embrace joy to the complete by having the same mind. And by having the same love. We heard about that in song. We're going to sing about that this morning. And you know, there, there's lots of different kinds of love. I've admitted, I love hockey. I love watching it even more than I did playing it a little bit. I mean, it's the greatest sport on earth. Well, that's what opinion. I love it. But I also love my wife. But the two aren't quite equal. Not quite. I mean, I stayed up till midnight watching a double overtime last night. But my wife, I'm all in. And that's the kind of love that brings us together to embrace joy. I mean, the Bible uses different words for love. And we use the word love to talk about different levels of likeness, whether it's tomato soup or whether it's our dog or whether it's our wife, whatever, our hockey. But the love the Bible talks about is the agape love. That's the word that Paul uses here. And that's not just a friendship. That's not an erotic love. That's the self-giving love. Agape love. God so loved the world that he gave. That he poured out. He gave. That's the the highest form of love that there is. Self-giving. That's the highest and the deepest. And that's by having the same love that our joy is completed There's a great hymn. I love it. We're going to sing it. Blessed be the tie that binds. And do you know what the tie is that binds our hearts in Christian love? It's Jesus. It's the mind of Christ. It's not anything we can produce. He binds us together with the same love that was expressed in another Christian hymn. I don't think I've ever sung it or seen it to a tune, but we heard it, hear it again. Who being in the very nature God... Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If we want to talk about self-giving love, it was not only God the Father, it was Jesus who gave himself even in life and to death for people like you and me. That's the love that we can embrace one with another, that same love. And the third way to embrace joy completely is to be of one spirit. Again, not that we can produce it, but God will. That means to embrace a common purpose. Why are we here? Do you realize that when you became a child of God through his grace and faith, God didn't immediately take you. He didn't immediately take me to heaven. You know why? Because he leaves us here 
to be one in spirit with a common purpose, to share his love, to share it, to live in it. We heard a little bit about our school last week and its theme this year, Sent to Serve. And it's not just they, but it's we as well, receiving God's love to embrace the joy and to share it. That's how. That's how. This is not easy. It's not easy at all. Don't let me mislead you or don't be confused or wondering. This is hard work that takes dedication. Dedication means we're all in or we're not. We're all in and go all out. That's what that Christian hymn that I just read is all about. All in, going all out. That's what Jesus is all about. And that's our dedication too. Possessing the mind of Christ and embracing this joy in God and in each other. You know, that's, that's what sports is all about. Successful sporting is to being all in so that they can go all out. But it's true even better, more deeply in our life, our new life in Jesus Christ. It takes dedication, but it also takes remembering. Remembering these truths, this truth of God. Remembering Jesus, who's at the center of it. That we are His, we belong to Him. That He possesses our mind, that our mind has become His mind. We remember it, and we put it into action. And it most definitely involves repentance. It does to enjoy embrace joy and make it complete. I don't know, maybe, maybe you knew, maybe you heard, maybe you listened. Yesterday, Washington, D.C., tens of thousands of people were gathered together for a purpose. It was called return. And Christian leaders from all over the country did exactly that. Well, they called us to return. Return to the Lord they called. It was a call to repentance, to save us, to renew us, to bring us back to life in God and in Jesus Christ, to turn us. That's what repentance is. 180 degrees from where we're often heading in the wrong direction, back in the direction of God. Repentance is hard work. Sometimes sounds very threatening and even Scary, as if it is for punishment. But in God's hands, it is for renewal. It's to come to terms with our weakness, our leakiness, so to speak, so that he can forgive. That's his promise. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, but he's faithful and joyous, just, and will forgive us our sins. That's embracing the joy, to repent and to receive that joy. Jesus told three parables about that. Luke chapter 15, read those as well as the letter to the Philippians. It was about 10 sheep, 100 sheep, one being lost. Jesus told that quick little story. And what does the shepherd do? He goes, he leaves the 99 to find the one stra uh, who strayed and wandered. Coming back and rejoicing. Rejoicing, as he said, over one sinner as it's done in heaven, one who repents. Or the woman who had ten coins and lost one and searched the house thoroughly until she found it. And then she said to her neighbors, come rejoice with me. 
for what was lost has been found. Just like that third story that's also very famous, the story of the prodigal son, which might better be termed the story of the prodigal father and the lost son. Prodigal as an extravagant, that younger son who took his father's inheritance and went and spent it wildly and meaninglessly on happiness. That soon ran out, and he found himself empty, empty of joy, until he came to his senses, till he repented, and began going back to his father, and found his father looking and waiting for him with open arms. And he opened his arms. He was forgiven and received by his father, like we and our heavenly father. That's how it works. You know, I was in Walgreens as I was kind of finishing this thing up. And I had to pick something up and stand in line, as we often do, and trying to be patient. And I was looking at all the temptations, you know, near the checkout. You know, the candy and all those little things that we really want but maybe don't need. But I, I so, also saw something else. It was a Time magazine booklet. Not the regular issue, but a, a booklet. And look what it said. The Science of Happiness. I'm thinking, whoa, how about that? And then it says, Discoveries for a More Joyful Life. I thought, well, that's an interesting connection. But you know what? I don't need that. I don't need to spend the money. I've got this. This is where the secret to joy, as well as happiness, exists. Jesus said, I have told you this so that my my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete joy with God and with each other. So, as Paul said, I say, then make my joy complete. Do so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.